from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the program, Friday night edition of the program. And our phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And uh, I was talking about the potential expulsion of uh, Congressman George Santos yesterday, and I said, look, I don't, I don't agree with it. I don't think uh, the guy having been uh, convicted of any criminal charges in court, which are pending against him, um, warrants him being ex- expelled from Congress. But I was in the minority in that view. And while some members of Congress uh, agreed with me, not enough did. And uh, he's out. George Santos becomes the sixth member of Congress ever to be expelled. I think the third since the, the uh, Civil War. And uh, that happened today. Um, he uh, became the, uh, like I said, the number six. And uh, the vote was 311 to 114 to get rid of him. The seemed pretty decisive, that vote, right? It was kind of overwhelming. And um, you could uh, listen to this as it went down in Congress. The yeas are 311. The nays are 114 with two recorded as present. Two-thirds voting in the affirmative, the resolution is adopted, and a motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. All but seven Democrats voted to get rid of Santos. Uh, Bobby Scott of Virginia and Nakema Williams of Georgia both opposed the measure. Al Green of Texas and Jonathan Jackson of Illinois voted present. Uh, Eight members, including uh, former House Speaker McCarthy and... um, AOC did not vote against um, good old Santos. So um, that's where he is. Uh, Governor Hochul said she was prepared to undertake the uh, solemn responsibility of filling the vacancy. And um, and I actually I was I had this wrong. I thought that the um, the Republicans would get a chance to pick. I didn't realize we'd go to the governor. That was my bad. So it makes all the sense in the world why they want to get rid of him if, if the Democrats get to do their picking uh, of they're going to pick whichever uh, Republican they like. And uh, let's see, the clerk informs the governor, uh, Speaker Mike Johnson said, announcing uh, solemnly as a hush fell over the chamber. It's, it's so, um, so written so whimsically. Anyway, if uh, we have a, a audio clip from Speaker Mike Johnson, listen to this. Under Clause 5D of Rule 20, the chair announces to the House that in light of the expulsion of the gentleman from New York, Mr. Santos, the whole number of the House is now 434. And that is um, now the, the new size of the House of Representatives. And uh, let's see, what's his name? Byron Donalds from Florida. Uh, he says that this isn't uh, a good idea. This was based on the whims of, of, of random politicians, and that's how the Roman Republic fell. 
And if we continue these kinds of actions, that's how this republic will fall again. I'm upset about it because you're talking about erasing the very fabric of what made us the greatest nation in the world. And it's not the actions of George Santos. It's the fact that everybody is afforded their day in court. And that was denied to him. And that was, in effect, what I was saying yesterday. Um, are we going to tell every American that if you're accused of something, you get fired on the spot? Is that now going to be the standard in the United States of America? Strong words from Congressman Byron Donalds on that topic. And uh, listen, I agree with him. You, know, you didn't have to wait that much longer, right? This was uh, a political move and a bunch of politicians made it. So what are you going to do? Anyway, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor is uh, dead at 93 years old. She was the first uh, female Supreme Court justice dead at 93. That's being reported by the New York Post. And um, we have, uh, sure, all right, we could do that. I'm I'm told that we have a clip of audio of um, Justice uh, Sandra Day O'Connor. Listen to this. It had an incredible ripple effect of making opportunities become available for women. It was, it was just a remarkable transformation. And I really think he deserves an enormous amount of credit for making that happen in this country. Uh, that was uh, Justice Sandra Day O'Connor back in 2004, reflecting on President Ronald Reagan appointing her um, to the court. So... Straight ahead, I want to get into a few things um, regarding how much money Americans need right now just to enjoy the same quality of life that they enjoyed just two years ago. And listen to this number, $11,400 a year. That's the number. That's insane. Uh, We're going to get into that in a little bit. Plus, we've got uh, some additional topics that I want to cover. Um, There's a... a story that's very heavy. It's about people that prey on children, predators, child predators. And uh, we're going to discuss that as well. And uh, it's uh, it's never, you know, it's always important to talk about those things, but it's always, you know, just a heavy topic. And I also want to get into um, just overall, how do you maintain your financial situation despite inflation and all of those things. So we're going to get into all of that as well. Plus your phone calls and uh, throughout the program, especially during open phone America, the phone number is 833-4825-337. If you want to join us, 833-4-VALDES. And of course, all of the other um, big stories of the day. Forgive me, I haven't had all the coffee that I'm supposed to have (laughs) in the afternoon to be able to function and speak at night. But we are going to continue with the program and your calls this Friday evening. And uh, let's see. I mean, I want to make sure I, I didn't miss anything. Yep, that's it. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Uh, by the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations, Antibody. It's always nice to check. I like to see, even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing? Are people listening, right? 
That's but right. you're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Let's talk a little bit about Bidenomics because I'm happy to take that on right now as well. And I think it's You're a fair a big point. You're a supporter of it. That's, I, I appreciate you acknowledging 14 that. 14 million jobs, 10 times more than the last three Republican presidents combined. Because he had 815,000 manufacturing the, the, the jobs. jobs were because 3. of the COVID 9%, lockdowns. Are you kidding 3.9% <laughs> unemployment. As he continues to talk over me, I'll talk to the American people. 3.9% unemployment, the lowest black unemployment in American history, the lowest unemployment for Hispanics in American history, the lowest unemployment for women in 70 years, the lowest black poverty rates in history. That's this administration's agenda. And by the way, as you smile and smirk over there, you should know this, the American people. Here's a guy who celebrated Bidenomics just this week, celebrating $28 million that came into your state because of the Chips and Science Act, one of the most significant economic plans right. since FDR. I'm proud of the work Biden and Harris have done. All right, that is Governor Gavin Newsom sounding very confident, telling everybody things are going fantastic. He's praising Bidenomics, saying that this is the lowest unemployment. 14 million jobs are created. Uh, he sounded thrilled about this stuff. Yet, you know, I speak to people in California and I have eyes and I know how to read. I see what's going on. And it doesn't look that great from my uh, purview. But I want to get with one of the experts here. This guy goes back. He was... Uh, in uh, the Reagan administration, he served in the Trump administration as the uh, uh, head of the Economic Council, and he's here with us now. He's a senior economist at FreedomWorks. Uh, Steve Moore, welcome back, sir. Hey, Rich. Good to be with you. By the way, you're making me feel old, but uh, ah. I was I was privileged <laughs> in uh, the very, very tail end of the Reagan administration to uh, to uh, serve for Ronald Reagan for 18 months, and and then you know I got the opportunity to. To work for Donald Trump. So that's pretty cool. Two of our greatest presidents in modern times. And I so. so I am very proud of that. So let, let me ask you, you heard this clip of uh, Gavin Newsom uh, debating <laughs> Ron DeSantis last night. Yeah. And he says, you know, by his standards, this is the best economy we've seen ever. I mean, it's just fantastic. Uh, I know there's a lot of debate over job creation. Some are saying you know, these are just part-time jobs. Others saying that it's uh, it's actually, um, you know, new payroll stuff. And I, I guess in many yeah. situations, it's both and. But um, what what's your reaction to um, his uh, soliloquy here? Well, uh, you want the good news or the bad news? <laughs> First, take it all, brother. <laughs> OK, well, let's start with the good news. I mean, the good news is the economy is, is is better than it was a year ago, for sure. I mean, remember when Trump left office, we had a one point six percent inflation rate which is, you know, really low inflation. And then Biden somehow in 18 months took it from 1.6 to, to 9.1%. So we had a terrible, terrible first two years of the Biden presidency, uh, real, real damage to family incomes. And people got a lot poorer because inflation went up so much faster than people's incomes. So month after month after month, people's real purchasing power and take-home pay kept, continued to fall. Um, the good news is inflation's down to about 4% now. At least that's the official rate. Now, I know some people are probably getting mad at me for saying that because a lot of people think that the real inflation rate's higher than, than the reported rate. And right. I think in a lot of ways that that's true. But I'm just giving you the reported rate, if I may. Um, and so um, that's good news. And, and it is true that the job market has you know remained strong. No doubt about it. Uh, there are jobs out there for people looking for them. So that's the good news in the economy. The bad news is that people's um, incomes have continued to fall 
because they just, even with the lower rate of inflation, it's just hard for people to keep up. So by my estimate, the average family is about $2,500 poorer today than when Biden entered office. And um, that's a lot of money, you know, talking about people losing, you know, three or four percent of their income when we want people to be getting richer, not poorer. A hundred percent makes a lot of sense to me. And Steve Moore, there's a piece in the Daily Mail. It says uh, Americans need an extra eleven thousand four hundred dollars a year to afford the same quality of life they enjoyed back in 2021. Uh, You're telling Mm -hmm. me it's a couple of grand. What's how? Why are these so far off, and 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 where is this coming from? Is it all inflation, or is, well, is that's it a good part of something yeah. else. I mean, I did see that report you're talking about. I I haven't had a chance to really go through their numbers, and you know, uh, I think that's a little high. Uh, but the fact is, if you look at things like, for example, I wasn't including things like mortgages. So, you know, the mortgage interest rate was uh, a little lower than three percent when Trump left office. Now, it's about. So that's a big increase in the mortgage rates. And what that means is that, you know, your mortgage payment now, if you buy a median value home, um, instead of paying about $1,800 a month in over 30 years, you're going to pay $3,500 a month. (laughs) So that's a huge, huge difference. And over, you know, over a year, you're talking about paying, you know, $15,000 a year more for that mortgage. And that makes it more and more difficult for people to achieve the American dream, which is to own your own home, especially for young people. So I'm here to tell you, I think that um, the economy is okay right now. It's decent, but I really worry, Rich. I mean, and this is something I think most of your listeners will agree with me on that. It's almost like you got termites in your basement, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and you're thinking, Oh, everything's just fine. You know, and meanwhile, and those termites are this national, this debt. I think in the last time I was on your show, I just since the last time I was on your show, which wasn't that long ago, that that's mm-hmm. gone up by another trillion dollars. And, that's you know, crazy. you can't just keep, I mean, everyone, right? It's crazy. You can't keep doing that. And the American people, this is why 75 to 80% of Americans think the country is going in the wrong direction. We're not stupid. We see what's happening in Washington and how they're destroying our future. You know, Steve Moore, I feel like we have these conversations pretty often, and and despite oh, and, and, and despite how often we have them, uh, I think as long as you have a situation where folks like Biden and 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 his buddies can can get um, a result like this one, where they can say, "Look, you know what? We've got a solid job market. Um, you know, Treasury bonds might be soft right now, and nobody mm-hmm. wants them, but um, you know, we'll bounce back one way or another." And uh, if we can hold on to what we've got, I think as long as they they have uh, a semi decent report that they can put out and show some improvement, they're not going to stop spending. This is actually encouraging them to spend more because they feel like they're getting it right. Well, that's right. But I guess what I'm saying to you, Rich, is that I think Americans are on to them. I mean, I think we get it. And that's why the Biden people are so perplexed that, you know, gee, the economy is so good. Why are people you know, rating it so poorly. Why do people, why are people thinking that the future is going to be worse than it is today? And I bet that's the way most people are thinking right now. And that's because of two things, the massive national debt that I just mentioned, right? But uh, I don't know, Rich, if you look at some of this, the the family debt and the credit card debt, oh, it's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, you know, people are spent, trying to maintain their current living standard under Trump, I mean, under Biden, by just going and borrowing more and more money. I saw a report, not just the trillion dollars of credit card debt. People are now 
uh, digging into their 401k plans early, taking their money out of their retirement account to, so they can spend money. Well, that's a terrible thing to do financially yeah. because you're going to pay a big penalty if you do that. Plus, you put the future at risk. Yep. Uh, ultimately, uh, putting yourself in a bad spot. Folks, uh, we're on with uh, Steve Moore. He is a former part of uh, President Reagan's economic team and President Trump's economic team. And uh, you know him from FreedomWorks and the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. And he's here with us now. If you have a question or you'd like to join the conversation, the phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDES. And uh, we briefly discussed this um, this figure that's in the UK Daily Mail that Americans need an extra $11,500 nearly uh, to match the same quality of life they had two years ago in 2021. Uh, but I also want to talk about what's going on with uh, work, where there's a Yahoo Finance report that's out that says that um, 50% of Americans now have a side hustle, even if they earn over 100 k a year. So I want to get uh-huh. into that as well uh, but when we come back from the break, Steve Moore. Um, before we go, let everybody know, because there's only a couple of seconds left in the, pro- in the uh, segment, let everybody know um, how they could find you and how they could sign up for that cool newsletter you've got. Oh, thank you, Rich. Well, so if people, we put out something every morning uh, called the um, Prosperity Hotline. And it is, uh, there's no inflation here, Rich, because it's free. <laughs> I'm not selling yeah, anybody anything. I got something. I just want people, <laughs> I just want people to, to be informed and knowledgeable. And, you know, we talk about the economy a little bit. And by the way, you can read it. You read it, Rich, I know. And I'm, I I'm, so, uh, I'm so flattered that you do. But you can read it in five minutes every morning. Sometimes it's just a chart or, uh, you know, some data points. And, and so if people want to get it, just go to committee.unleashedprosperity.com and, and sign up and we'll send it to you for free. Five mornings a week. And I'll tell you, folks, I, and I, he's not kidding. I, I do check it out. Um, there's a lot of really good show prep. There's all sorts of uh, economic data on there. If you want to know what's happening in, in the world of the economy, in the world of finance, you get a really good sense of what's going on with uh, just a lot of information uh, and a lot of um, um, supporting um you know, articles that and, and graphs, like he said, where you can really get a snapshot of what's going on. And it's all kind of one-stop shop. Check that out uh, with Steve Moore. And folks, we're coming right back uh, to you and your questions and the rest of this conversation. The phone number again, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. It's Steve Moore and me, Rich Valdez, coming right back. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. America starts the day with America in the morning. Pending home sales numbers, they tanked in April, but there are. Hi, I'm John Trout, your host for the latest news, politics, entertainment, business, and weather. Octane action in the dust, a new film puts. Our staff of correspondents provide a fast paced look at the world with specialized reports from where news happens. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Amazon. Concise, accurate, and fresh each day. America in the morning, the podcast, available wherever you listen. 
America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. Our guest is Steve Moore. Uh, you know him from his days as uh, the um, uh, advisor for the Economic Council to President Trump, uh, as well as, as work he's done uh, throughout, all throughout, as uh, an economist at Freedom Works and the uh, Committee to Unleash Prosperity. And I, I love talking to Steve Moore because he always has a handle on what's going on. But there's a report in Yahoo Finance that I wanted to bounce off of him. Listen to this. Uh, side gigs for 2023 are up 50%, or at least 50% of Americans have these side hustles, including people that are earning over 100 k um, And according to Yahoo Finance, Americans are, are doubling up on this because 38% of people said they have at least one side hustle, and an equal amount noted that they have more than one side hustle. Bloomberg is reporting that due to record high inflation, the dwindling of the pandemic era savings and tax credits, so many workers now just need the extra money to make ends meet. And uh, I guess this is, you know, kind of reinforcing the, 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 the notion that, yeah, there's a whole lot of jobs available. It looks like a lot of people are getting these jobs. Steve Moore. Yeah, so I, I'm again, I'm not familiar with that particular uh, report that you're mentioning, but it's it's very consistent with what I've been seeing in the data. You know, there's an old joke about, uh, you know, this goes back, you know, 40, 50 years where, you know, oh, look at all the jobs. There's so many jobs out there. And, and you know, the other guy says, yeah, I have three of them. You know, so <laughs> we do have this problem now where people are having to work a second job uh, to make ends meet. And, you know, that means, you know, they're working 50 or 60 hours a week on top of their normal job. And um, that, by the way, this reminds me of something, Rich, I wanted to mention, which is, you know, you played that segment um, with uh, Governor Newsom uh, Newsom, uh, uh, saying, oh, you know, what was it, 16 million jobs. I just want to make sure people know, you know, about 80% of those jobs were just the jobs that had temporarily gone away, you know, when we shut, we were foolishly shut down the economy right. in 2021. And they weren't jobs that, uh, that um, Biden created. They were Trump jobs that, you know, were, were, you know, for nine to 12 months went away because the government mandated that the business is shut down. And so it's a, it's a totally fictitious and exaggerated number. Yeah. A hundred percent. I get that. And, um, According to the Yahoo Finance piece, uh, part of the reason that many people now work remotely after the pandemic uh, is that 62% of employers didn't go back into an office and in order yep. to save money because of inflation and yep. whatnot. So yep. it, it just made it easier for them. So I, I'm wondering, um, is there like a surprise that's coming down the road where you know, things are going to get better or worse? Uh, or do you see it just kind of maintaining the status quo um, for the foreseeable future? Boy, it's so tough to predict where this economy is headed. Um, you know, we have high, higher interest rates now, which is really a problem. We have more indebtedness, which is a big problem. We have, um, you know, a problem where the, uh, the, the higher inflation has just made everything so much more expensive for people. And that's one of the reasons people have to take on these second jobs. So, but remember at the beginning of 2023, this year, a lot of right. economists say, Oh, we're going to have a session. We didn't, you know, we are. So I never would bet against the, 
animal spirits of the economy. And, you know, we have great, look, you cut me and I bleed red, white, and blue. We have the best economy. We have the best workers. We have the best businesses. We're industrious people. Even when the government throws everything they have at us, you know, we find a way to social through. And so, you know, we're facing this new future that is going to be very exciting in my, you know, in my opinion, with artificial intelligence and robotics and new therapies for everything from cancer to heart disease to multiple sclerosis. I mean, so it's going, I, I do believe in the future. I just wish we'd get our house in order. You know, you can't yeah. keep borrowing a trillion, two trillion dollars year after year, or you're going to go right to the poor house. Well, and I think this is an issue that, again, I, we try to beat the drum as much as we can. I think you do as well, and you've spent a, an entire career doing it. Um, yeah. I, I just feel like the, the more there are people out there saying, look, we've got to work on our national debt. We've got to stop spending like crazies. Um, people just look at you funny, kind of like, you know, saying you're, you're, you know, you're Catholic or an evangelical Christian. They're like, oh, really? People still do that? You know, just, I feel like it's just the weirdest yeah. thing ever to say that well, you, you know, don't want to spend Rich, money. There's, it's crazy. There's this, there's this new um, drug that's very popular right now, you know, for weight loss. I forget the name of it, but it's, you know, oh, yeah. become a oh, drug. Yeah. And so maybe we need that like for Washington, you know, stop right. spending so much money. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful if you have a drug to stop the overspending, you know, just like yeah. there's a new drug for stopping people's overeating. I mean, but it's not that simple. And, and by the way, I want to remind mm-hmm. your, your listeners, I'm not blaming this on Democrats because frankly, you know, it's sure. Democrats and politicians love to spend money. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, um, a bipartisan spending problem that we have. And, and, I, and I look at this and I just think, you know, every now and again, you get a couple of people that come in singing the right song, you know, saying things like they want a smaller government and they want uh, they want spending cuts and they, they want to have a, an actual budget that gets passed. But, you know, all you got to do is go to sleep and wake up in the morning and then see that, no, oh, that was just that was just that one guy. <laughs> the rest of them get together and they uh, kind of collude to make sure they continue to do whatever the heck they want. <laughs> right. And, and right. It, it's just, it's a, it's a disheartening experience. Um, I don't know how you, you um, do it, you know, um, going back a couple of administrations and, and I, w- I think I would lose it and be like, oh, that's it. I'm becoming a chef. Forget this because it, it's just, um, I don't know. I feel like it just trends in the wrong direction. What say you? Well, I say that it wouldn't be that hard to cut, you know, some of it, we need to start taking a real chainsaw to the budget. And, you know, there's a $400 billion green energy. By the way, I said 400 billion, not 400 million. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we lose track of the zeros. There's so many, but $400 billion in a green energy slush fund. Okay. We don't need that. Get rid of that. Uh, how about the 250 billion, billion dollars, folks, not million that was stolen in COVID relief money. Did you know that rich 250 billion Huge dollars yeah. in the, in, food stamps program and the PPP program and the rental assistance program and all unemployment program. And uh, by the way, a lot of the people got the money don't even live in the United States. Right. How crazy is this? And we've never done anything. Congress, oh yeah. You know, we spent a lot of money. You're going to have some fraud. Come on. $250 billion of fraud. A ta- a tw- many of these programs are 20% fraud rates. So why don't we find out who these people are and put them in jail and get the money back? Well, I think that's the right question. What do you think the answer to that is? Uh, I can't. I mean, I don't think there is a good answer. I mean, I really don't. I testified before Congress about a month ago about this, and the Democrats kind of just shrugged, shrugged their shoulders and said, you know, we're never going to, uh, you know. Well, they believe in this idea of, of, have you ever heard of modern monetary theory? 
Yeah, that's uh, the, the the Keynesian stuff. Yeah, it's basically the idea that the government can just keep borrowing and borrowing as much as it wants to. And, and since we're and the richest country, you know, and isn't that a crazy idea? And they, these guys actually believe it. Insanity. I think it's insane. Well, Steve Moore, I, I want to take a pause right here, but I want to come back and just get your thoughts on um, just um, the, the, the global aspect of it, uh, because I think that there's uh, there was a lot of movement in Argentina that kind of out of mm-hmm. a flash in the pan or not. But I want to get your thoughts on it, folks. We're coming right back with Steve Moore. The phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Rich Valdez. So there's a consortium known as BRICS, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, rather. And um, this BRICS consortium uh, is now being asked by the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, uh, to settle their oil trade in local currencies and not the U.S. dollar. And this is, you know, they're looking to diversify their economic partnership, yada, yada, yada. Uh, But ultimately, uh, it's the dollar that seems to be slipping. Now, Steve Moore, um, there's reports uh, from a number of outlets that the dollar is is slipping, it's falling, it's getting weaker. Uh, What is going on? Well, you know, look, I don't believe that the dollar is going to, isn't any trouble right now. In fact, you know, the more trouble the global economy gets in, the more people rush to dollars. I mean, you know, the way I like to put it, Rich, is, you know, when you look at all these countries, we're the the least rotten apple on the curve. So, you know, the idea that people are going to rush and, yeah, yeah, does it make any sense that people are going to look to the Russian uh, ruble or the, you know, the Chinese yuan? You know, uh, that's not going to happen. And so we, we do have a big advantage in the world uh, because we're the hub of the world economy, we're the alpha male, and we have the uh, the currency that is, you know, most um, stable. And now, again, that's not saying a lot because some of these currencies are crazy. Incidentally, you mentioned right before the break what's going on in Argentina. And this is a big story for people who haven't been following. Oh, it, yeah. Uh, Malay has won. You know, he's a He's a free market libertarian. He has uh, taken out the Peronistas uh, who ran the country into the ground for 50 years. You know, Argentina used to be one of the richest countries in the world. We should take note of how fast a country from <laughs> can go from being one of the richest countries to one of the poorer countries in the world because they inflated their currency and destroyed it. And so here's an amazing statistic. You know, 10 years ago, it was four rubles to get a dollar. Now it's 800 rubles to get a dollar. I mean, not rubles, um, pesos, pesos. That's some exchange. <laughs> so it means, you know, people are just, you know, they are becoming so poor. And so it's, it's, a, it's a great uh, thing in the world that finally the, the people are rising up and revolting against out-of-control government. We need that kind of revolt here in America. Yeah, I'm with you. And and it, it's uh, I'm glad that you're not afraid that the dollar's slipping, but I feel like every time I turn around, I'm talking to somebody who's telling me that the uh, ultimately the dollar isn't going anywhere, and because it's not based on gold or any other precious metal, that 
it's ultimately um, going to disappear. Now, I think we've been hearing that since, you know, prior to the 1970s. And, uh, and here well, we are today yeah. in, in a, you yeah. know, Let me somewhat just make of a, a quick note about strengthened this. position. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So this is an important point, and I, I want to clarify what I'm saying. So what I'm saying is that I do think it makes sense, you know, in your if you have a, a portfolio of assets in your savings, you should own some gold because you're right, Rich, that the ultimate hedge against a falling dollar is gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's a good thing. Uh, what I was saying, though, is when you look at the dollar compared to other countries' currencies, right. we're not doing so badly. And so that's the point. And and uh, I think that, uh, by the way, inflation, which we were talking about, you know, the prices are 20 percent higher today than they were when Trump left us, 20 percent higher. What that means is essentially we've devalued the True. dollar by 20 percent, right? 100 percent. That's the, That's a big yeah. number. How do you mitigate that? So <laughs> I was hoping you'd ask that question. So mm-hmm. you, what, what caused the inflation in the first place? It was $6 trillion of unnecessary, uh, of massive, wasteful spending by Biden when he came to office. Remember, I think it was Rahm Emanuel who once said that a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. They <laughs> used the crisis of COVID, and COVID was basically over when Trump, uh, Biden came into office. And they used the crisis as an excuse to massively spend money on all these crazy green energy programs and welfare benefits and income redistribution and all of this stuff that, you know, is, has put our, our budget. Did you know last year we borrowed $2 trillion in one year? Just to pay the uh, interest on our no, debt? No, $2 trillion was total borrowing. Now, interest payments are now the fastest growing area of the budget. So in other words, when you're paying interest payments, you're not getting roads, you're not getting bridges, you're not getting hospitals, you're not getting right. schools, you're not getting tanks and mil- your military. Uh, you're getting, um, you're just paying for your past sins. It's a difficult place to be, Steve Moore. Do you think that, um, you know, there's people all over that say that we need to uh, revert uh, you know, turn around and, and go back to a gold standard? Um, or is it just reigning in spending and, and getting inflation under control uh, or all of the above? How, how do we get to the I right mean, place? Well, you should have my friend Steve Forbes on your show because he's the, and he's a good friend of mine too. And he's the one, a brilliant guy. And he, Actually, he, he was on this show and he's the one that mentioned we should go back to a gold standard. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he, he keeps telling me we have to go to the gold standard and I really respect his opinion. Um, but I think in the shorter term, because I don't think, see, the problem is the government, people in government don't want to give up the power of the currency mm. and the central bankers don't want to give up that power. So it's hard to take it away from them. But in the meantime, what we need to do, the most important thing right now is to really start cutting back hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars of this spending that we can't afford. And uh, we, look, we can do it. You know, it's like, you know, as I said, if you're overweight, you got to you got to stop eating. You got to suck in your belly. You got to tighten your belt. <laughs> we got to do it. You got to put in the hard work, yeah, whether you there like you it or not. All right, Steve. Uh, I was going to call you Steve Forbes, Steve Moore. <laughs> that would uh, be that, that would be head. quite an honor. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, we should probably get him back on to talk about that some more. Uh, Steve Moore, again, let everybody who's tuning in uh, right now to let them know exactly how to find you, get the newsletter, and keep up to speed with everything you're doing. 
So again, if you'd like to get our what we call our prosperity hotline, it's an email that goes out five mornings a week, and you can read it five mornings every morning. And of course, it is free; it costs nothing. Just go to Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Tom and Rich. On the way out, I just wanted to say thank sure. you for preaching financial and fiscal sanity to your listeners, because you Amen. know we can change this. People have to become financially literate and understand what's going on in this country before we can fix it. I'm with you hundred percent, brother. Keep up the great work that you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing uh, my small part and I appreciate you being here. Hope you have a great holiday. You too. Thank you. All right, folks, Steve Moore committee to unleash prosperity. And of course your calls and more coming up straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at night with rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, as we talk about the state of the economy in our country, there's so many things that are costing us money across the, um, the country. And um, one of those things is, you know, not just inflation and the massive spending, uh, but also the fact that we're spending on problems that we're creating, like immigration and how having an, an um, you know, I say open border because in, for many intents and purposes, it's not really secure, right? So it's not as if they're not turning, you know, anybody away. Of course, there are some people that can't get in. But for the most part, you, you make up a story, you say you need asylum, you do what you got to do, and you're in. And you're going to get some gift card and a cell phone and, uh, you know, a ride to somewhere in this country. And that is something we, we've never seen before, but is, is all too commonplace. And I don't know how you fix a problem like that if you've got half of your government that's happy to do it and facilitate it and keep it happening. So, I don't know. You guys tell me. Uh, 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's go to uh, Boise, Idaho. Uh, listening to Rich Valdez, AmericaAtNight.com online. Let's check in with Paulie. Go right ahead. Yeah, good. Thank you for taking my call, Rich. Yeah, I've been considering thinking about this a little bit more seriously because they just came out with a number of $450 billion a year to subsidize everybody that's come over illegally. And uh, in other words, there's another $450 billion that we're not going to have that we should have in the coffers. And what I'm looking at is turning 65 within a couple of years. And if that money is going to the immigrants that are coming in, is that going to take away from some of the money that was supposed to last us until 2033? Brother, um, it's, it's tough. I mean, everybody's looking at trying to figure out how to, how to make this problem better. I don't know that I have any of the answers other than we've just got to try our absolute best to hold every last politician accountable to um, to spend less and to believe in, in reducing the size of government and uh, ultimately putting forward an actual balanced budget, which is something we haven't seen in forever. And it's crazy to think that that's our, our long shot here, but I don't see another play. I really don't. Paul, thank you for your call. 
Folks, coming right back, Rich Valdez, America at Night. Don't move a muscle. We continue our conversation right here. Don't go anywhere. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. the city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the Friday night edition of the program. Our phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ, if you want to join the show. And um, earlier we talked about George Santos, the congressman from New York, being expelled from the United States House of Representatives despite not having been found guilty uh, they just went with um, the findings of an ethics probe and uh, the hearsay they've had thus far. And they said, that's it. You're out. Uh, now, New York Governor Kathy Hochul will be appointing uh, his uh, successor. Um, Jesse Smollett is likely heading back to jail as an appeals court um, upheld his orig- original conviction. And uh, that was uh, interesting. You might, might remember him from the hit TV show Power, where he said that he had gone to buy a uh, like a hero sandwich in the morning, very early morning, 3, 4, 5 o'clock a.m., and uh, he was attacked by two guys in MAGA hats screaming, this is Trump country, and putting a noose on his head and pouring bleach on him. And it turned out that the two men, the white men that he said they were, were turned out to be two African men, uh, bodybuilding brothers who were actors as well, and he hired them to, to, to beat him up. <laughs> and, uh, of course, um, he had some connections with um, crooked prosecutors, and voila, he made the whole thing up and got in trouble for it. Big trouble. Uh, I remember the police chief, an African-American guy, uh, was saying how they wasted so much man hours trying to, you know, disprove or prove the allegations that he made about these men. And it was completely unfair to the community at large. And he, he was right. It totally was. But, yeah, Jesse Smollett uh, making headlines again, likely going back to jail. Uh, I guess that's good for him and Hamas has broken the truce firing rockets at Israel the IDF responded with airstrikes there's no more ceasefire in the Middle East that continues to be going on and let's see there's a couple other things I want to hear of course uh, former Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor has died at 93 coming a a day or two right after Henry Kissinger dying Uh, so that's uh, the update on those. Now, there's a couple other stories I want to share with you because 
you know, we, we always like to look at what's going on with uh, the trafficking of children and uh, just in general how, you know, how there's news on it, but there's never enough news on it, right? Uh, well, WJHG is reporting that there's electronic sniffing dogs now that can help catch child predators. And uh, I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, you also got uh, Facebook. They had been recently dragged through the mud saying that they're having a tough time keeping child predators off of uh, Facebook and Instagram. Well, they've decided to respond to that Wall Street Journal story and uh, saying that they're working very hard uh, to do that. And we'll get into a little bit of that as well. The United States Senate passed a, uh, a bill uh, that is now prosecuting online sexual predators who target children. Uh, and let's see, there's a bunch of other stories here that are just really something. Um, suspect was shot and killed by offers, officers excuse me, in Kannapolis during a child predator investigation. And uh, just so many things that are related to the world of, of child predators. And I wanted to get a handle of it from somebody who kind of immersed himself in this. Uh, Shane Cashman's an investigative journalist. You might have seen him on Timcast News. And um, he's got a piece in Scanner that really details his two days in Ohio catching child predators. And I think this is um, something that we, we definitely want to hear about. So we've got uh, Shane Cashman with us tonight. Shane Cashman, welcome, sir. Hey, Rich. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. This is something that uh, I'm glad you're covering so we can discuss it on the air. Because like I said, I think there's, there's always a, a bunch of stories out there, but not nearly as many as there are on everything else, right? Like George Santos or anything right. else that's really uh, you know, packed with frivolity. And this is stuff I think that matters. And uh, I want you yeah. to, I guess, kind of paint the picture for us. You know, you're an investigative journalist by, by trade and whatnot, but how did you end up on this particular beat um, where you were kind of um, part of this, you know, embedded to, to see exactly what went on with these child predators? Right. So I, I was with a guy named Alex Rosen, who happens to be 23, so much younger than me. I'm 38. And I was shocked that he travels the country from Texas and plans these sting operations as a civilian to uh, to capture these men who believe they are going to meet uh, 11 and 12 year old girls. Wow. Uh, they set up decoy accounts and uh, they send messages and, and they kind of, the, the, the goal is to convict these men uh, because through their, when they confront these men, they basically want them to admit to having uh, child pornography on there in their possession. And uh, somehow they, with Alex, the way he does this, he, he gets them to, to, to confess. So I saw his, his videos and I was shocked at how, how busy Alex was. He is out there weeks at a time, sometimes catching multiple guys a, a day. And the, the, the videos are very hard to watch. And I'm a father of two young kids. And I think protecting the innocence of our children is tantamount and, uh, when you see how prevalent this is, it kind of makes everything else fall and recede to, to, the, to the recesses of your memory. And uh, I'm, I'm, this is like the only thing I really care about. You know, when you're watching these men say these terrible things, it's kind of hard to believe it's true. So, yeah, I, I hit up Alex and said I'd like to, to join him. And he invited me out and we spent a weekend in Ohio. And he had about five people lined up and I confronted with him three and two of them were arrested. Well, walk us through that, because, again, you know, you get up in the morning and 
you've got your your notepad and maybe uh, you know your cell yep. phone and whatever else you're using to be an investigative journalist. But uh, I, I'm trying to figure out, you know, for everybody that's listening, what does it look like when you um, you know you actually catch these guys in the act, where you set up these decoy accounts and you say, "Yeah, I'm a 12 year old kid, uh, girl," and this guy rolls yep. up and he's older than me. And he's uh, he's like, yeah, I'm here to see little Sally. And you're like, well, it's me, it's Shane Cashman. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm here with my guy Alex, and we're about to kick your butt. You know, I don't know what you say, how it works. Right. Paint the picture well, for us. Yeah, it's it, it's so casual and confident on the evil men's side that it, it was more alarming than I imagined. So you could tell they're used Alex to it. The They've team, done it before. Yes. Yeah. It's like they they'll do it in the daylight, in the middle of the day. And, and wow. think they're making, they think they're meeting a little girl. So Alex and his team work with a woman in her mid twenties and she basically runs the decoy accounts. She happens to have a speech impediment and happens to be petite and she paints her face um, like a little whiter. So she looks innocent and she also puts on a COVID mask, which for her helps hide her, her oh, yeah. real age. Um, and she dresses like a little kid. She wears a Minecraft backpack with a doll in her arms and she walks into the situation where this man, the first man we, we met, uh, who, who we call Henry in the story, is waiting in his yard where he, he lives in the basement of his uh, sister-in-law's house in Ohio. And he's just waiting for the girl to appear. And the decoy appears. And then he, puts, he holds the doll and he, he walks down the sidewalk with her. He believes he's going to this young girl's empty house, which is not far away. This is noon on a Saturday, and uh, the second they walk by us, in, which is like she never got that far from us, we all pop out and confront him. And from there, I let Alex do his thing. So I'm, I'm just I'm right there the whole time listening. I'm recording. I'm taking notes. I'm kind of like, you know, Alex is focused on getting the admission from this, this evil man. And I'm listening to him while I'm also like just looking at the banality of the street. We're on a normal suburban street william mckinley's grave is not that far away uh there's there's a man putting up christmas decorations right next door and meanwhile he doesn't know that his neighbor is meeting up with what he believes to be a 12 year old girl um and then we walk him he he, they're filming they're live streaming this whole thing and he starts to walk away the decoy goes safely in the car and as he's walking away, Alex kind of stays by his side. We walk into a field, and in that field, we stay for about two hours where Alex questions him about all the messages he sent to the decoy. We have them all printed out. He goes over it. This guy who we confront, Henry, has all these types of excuses. Oh, his nephew stole the phone. It was this. It was that. It was just stupid talk, he calls it. Nothing really was going to happen, but Alex has been doing this for so long now. He kind of knows they all. a lot of them have the same type of loopholes in logic and after those two hours, we get a lot of uh, information out of them. Uh, wow. The thing in Ohio, which makes it tough, is they have to have uh, the the child pornography in their possession for, to be arrested. So, unfortunately, with this first guy I'm telling you about, we couldn't get an admission of him having that. So we couldn't call the cops. So that was, like, so disappointing to me after having listened to all this horrific stuff that he did admit to sending to the little girls and, and other little girls, um, he, he had to walk. And this man, uh, while we're questioning him, he also defecates himself in front of us. It's like his, this like evil skin is operating inside of him. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was really disturbing. So, you know, but then the next two guys, we did, we did get them arrested because they did admit to having the stuff on their computer. And, uh, that was, 
you know, it was great, but it was shocking to me how prevalent it is, how, and how, like, we all know how vulnerable children can be on the internet, but it is like, they are every, these people are every level they're, they're, they've infiltrated everything. It's very easy for people to think, oh, it's just, you know, people will joke. It's just priests in a church. It's just the rich people in Hollywood, but it, it's, right. it, it is at every level. It's, it's, it's happening in every neighborhood and it's extremely prevalent. And we need to be extremely vigilant with what our children are doing when they're online. It could be Roblox. It could be Facebook. It could be Instagram. You right. name it. All right, Shane Cashman, stand by. We're going to come right back with yep. you and continue uh, to hear about your two days in hell with uh, with these weirdos. And, uh, folks, if you have any questions, give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Night with Rich Valdez. Pulaski County, an online group helped catch a suspected online predator. The deputies arrested 46-year-old Floyd T. Adams at the Cinema 8 movie theater in Somerset back on December 18th. Members of the online group known as Predator Poachers told deputies that Adams thought he was meeting an 11-year-old girl at the movies. Adams is now charged with procuring or promoting the use of a minor. His case will now go to a grand jury. WYMT's Zach Hawk is in Pulaski County working on this story, and we'll have much more tonight at 11. And that's a report from uh, 2021 of predator poachers out there um, doing what they do best. And I, I think it's, it's remarkable work, whether it's in Kentucky or anywhere else, that you hear about the work that they're doing. And uh, we have the benefit of uh, having a conversation with uh, Shane Cashman, who's got a piece on Scanner uh, called The Demon Hunters, Two Days in Ohio Catching Child Predators. And uh, it's quite remarkable to read through this piece and to hear what uh, Shane Cashman reports uh, as as what he observed of how this this one guy, Henry, was trying to, you know... um, I, who knows, hook up, kidnap, Lord knows what's going on with, with these people in their minds, uh, that they're, you know, grown men in their 50s that are trying to engage with uh, 11 and 12-year-old girls. And Shane Cashman, um, you described the situation with Henry um, in the in the last segment. Uh, what are some of the other instances that you uh, observed, and, and what were they like? So with Henry, since I said it was so disappointing to see him be able to walk home, without getting arrested because of the non-admission to having the child pornography. Then we set up uh, a man who we call Franklin. Um, and I changed the names in the stories because they're ongoing investigations. So that was the, the reason why I'm, I keep referring to them as what we call them in the story. So Franklin is a, a gentleman who's married and, and he's a, a father of two. Mm. And he, uh, that was, so that this would be later in the night, same day as Henry. 
I'm staked out the front entrance of this of this uh, apartment complex in Ohio. He is under the impression that he is meeting a 12-year-old girl who he has been talking to on Facebook for, I think, a month or two. And Alex and his team had set up just a random address at this complex. So I'm waiting right. at the entrance to alert Alex and his team when I see who I believe to be the person. Um, we had a vague idea of what car he might have, but we really didn't know. So I'm looking for, you know, someone who looks like the profile picture that we have that we printed out from Facebook. Eventually we see him, we get the decoy in place. This man walks towards the vestibule where he thinks he's going to now enter this apartment with a 12 year old girl. We confront and this man rather quickly admits to having first seen um, this, this horrible material online that he claims to have gotten through Facebook. And then through there, we, we learn that he's got stuff that might have children as young as six. And it's just, wow. it's so, it's really hard to hear them talk. So he's so got casually the child porn this. on his phone. He didn't have it on his phone. He told us it was on his computer and, uh. and that's at home, which is 25 minutes away across of all things, route six, six, six. I can't even make that up, <laughs> Wow. but uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's on his computer and what Alex does, and what I think he does well is he, he kind of, well, and it's also sickening, I have to say, but he plays this good cop thing where he's like, I'm going to get on their side and make them think I can get them help and, and then put the blame on a third party, like the internet mess with their brain. Now he doesn't believe that, but right. he knows after doing this for so long, and it gets him talking. He can, exactly. Gets him talking and they spill the beans. And then what Alex says, he goes, well, I'll help you delete that off your computer. So we don't get you in trouble. Maybe we'll get you help. So the guy invites us to his house. So we drive 25 minutes to this guy's house. On the way to his house, this man picks up his wife from work. <laughs> and we're wow. like, it's, it's absurd. It's absurd. And we pull up to the guy's house. It's, and he knows that you guys are there busting him because he's a pedophile. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, it, it's, it's crazy. And this is, again, a father of two adult children, married man, um, has a nice house in a nice neighborhood right by a fire station, right by a playground. There's children toys in many of the yards near this guy's house. And now he's admitted to us to having all this insane stuff on his computer, which the computer is sitting in the middle of the house. His wife uses a computer. Uh, he plays bingo on that computer all the time. He sits there chain smoking and drinking beer. And he has a, a folder on the desktop with all of the materials. So he admitted to having 40 to 50 pieces of this stuff. It turns out it's like hundreds. Um, wow. And so once, once, he admits to having the stuff. Alex Cashman, we're down to just about 45 seconds. So wrap it up as quick as you can. Yeah. So once they get the admission, we call the cops. This is the same thing that happened the the next morning where we get uh, one piece of criticism of the story gets and Alex gets is that it's a lot of older people who are just dumb, but it's, it's everybody. It's young, rich, old, poor, uh, great jobs. Next guy the next day was a firearms instructor and a fireman who was 23 years old. Yeah, How do crazy. people find so you if they want to continue to learn more about what you're doing, Shane Cashman? Yeah, I'm, I'm at Shane Cashman on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can follow me at scanner, scnr.com. Folks, give him a follow. Check him out at Shane Cashman. Brother, you're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Keep up the great work. Don't stop. Folks, we're coming right back with the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ.
Oaxaca at night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, everybody knows Christmas is coming. It's right around the corner. People are buying gifts for Hanukkah for Christmas. And um, everybody's spending all sorts of money. And I want to get to the bottom of that. We've got the author of of the book, Gotcha, Your Money Smart GPS, Navigating the Five Pitfalls of Financial Freedom. Matt Zapala is with us. And uh, Matt, I want to jump into this Gallup poll that shows that Americans plan on spending an average of $923 on holiday gifts. That's just shy of the $932 that they were estimated to be spending a year ago. Um, obviously a lot of this is going on credit cards. We were seeing record credit card debt and, um, and record inflation, even though it's uh, trending downward. And uh, I'm wondering, um, what's going to happen when this bill comes uh, home to roost in, in January or even February? Matt well, Zipola. everybody's going ru- to be rushing to file a tax refund. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> That uh, it's it's crazy how people are thinking that uh, money spent today does not have to be paid for, and that's the challenge. You know, when I was growing up, and Rich, I'm not that old. I'm, I'm 50 years yeah. old. Hey, I'm Matt, old. I can barely hear you. That means America can barely hear you. It sounds like you're on a speakerphone. Uh, we'll try and get uh, that how, situation. How's that? Is, is that better? Oh, yeah, is that's that better a lot now? better. Yeah. Go right ahead. You were saying. Got. Yeah, I was. I was saying. I, I was. Uh, I was raised in an era where cash was king. Something you had in your pocket. It's yeah. so easy today to just slide a credit card or use Apple Pay, just tap your phone on the machine. And uh, it's, it's very easy today to not feel money leaving your account. You know, the question I ask for people is that if you have so many apps that take your money, think about this. How many apps bring money to you versus take money from you? Right. And so if you're, if you're thinking, you know, it goes back down to really, you know, money is a mindset. The first chapter of my book is, is understanding that, you know, if you're going to manage money, you got to manage your mind first. And uh, uh, sadly, there's so many easy ways to spend money today. And I think that's where we need to get back to the basics of financial literacy. And sadly, people need to learn more financial discipline. Well, that's I mean, I think that's a given for a lot of us. Right. Um, what are some of the recommendations that you have when people are when you know, when they're talking about spending, you know, every last bit of their their paycheck on Christmas gifts and whatnot? What, how do you help people to develop that level of discipline in spending? Right. Even though it may be a given, the execution is horrible. Obviously, you know, we're, we're seeing so many bad examples of how to spend money around us. Mm. I mean, people are spending $1,500 on Taylor Swift tickets and $1,500 for Beyonce tickets, but if it's too invest into themselves, that's another thing to talk about. How do we invest into ourselves as a family? So one of the questions I had uh, for my kids growing up, because I was a single father of three kids before I decided, decided to understand entrepreneurship and understand financial literacy myself, mm-hmm. is I said, hey, kids, listen, you know, all these kids might have three, four, five gifts. Give me one thing that you'd love to have for Christmas, one gift. And what I realized that they, they were they're fine with that one gift, but the most exciting thing that a lot of children remember is not the presents you give them, but the presence of your time around them. Right. That's what they remember. And so if we get back to those experiences that we enjoyed as family, that's what it was for. It was families coming back together. It wasn't rushing to Black Friday and Cyber Monday and finding all the great deals that you haven't put presents under the, under the tree. It's how do we spend time with one another and getting back to those values. And for, for people that are uh, just tuning in, uh, let everybody know how they can get a copy of your book. 
Sure. Very simple. Amazon. If you're on Amazon already, it's gotcha. Gotcha. But by the way, my last name is Sapala. And so funny how my entire life, Richard, every time my entire life, everybody called me spatula, Samala, Sapula. <laughs> and, uh, and Amazon did the same thing to me because they ought to correct my last name for spatula. <laughs> But uh, if you just punch in Gotcha Book, it's still up there as the number one book. We launched it a couple weeks ago, and today it's still a best-selling book because we talk about the five pitfall, pitfalls of finance, personal finance. And uh, I think a lot of people to right now are resonating with it. It's the universal truths, universal principles that uh, help people through the up and both down market. Well, Matt Sapol, I want you to stick with us, and we're going to walk through uh, those five pitfalls uh, in the next uh, few minutes that we have on the air. Folks, if you have a question for Matt Sapola. He's the author of the book, Gotcha, Your Money Smart GPS Navigating the Five Pitfalls of Financial Freedom. Give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337, 833 valdez that's Valdez with an S. Welcome back, familia. We're uh, having a discussion with Matt Sapala. He is the author of the best-selling book, Gotcha, Your Money Smart GPS Navigating the Five Pitfalls of Financial Freedom. And uh, Matt Sapala, you, you talked a little bit about some of the strategies uh, uh, that you offer people with uh, the work that you do. But I'd like you to walk us through these uh, five pitfalls uh, quickly because, you know, there isn't a ton of time. But um explaining each of them so that people can really get a sense of um, what they can get out of the book. I was just in New York a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we had a, a conversation there with, uh, with a gentleman who's a minority owner of the Yankees. And uh, he was mentioning to me that in his retirement, he was probably working. So I started to reframe the word retirement because that's a more modern word. It's been around since 1935 when FDR created the Social Security system. Mm -hmm. But the word retirement really is a modern word. So it's really financial freedom that we're looking for. And so step number one, if you want to retire and, and make sure you're financially free, you got to find out what that lump sum of money is to have tucked away. And once you have that money tucked away, to get there to find the waypoints and the five steps to get there is number one, you have to avoid losses. So no matter what you got going on, you have to avoid losses. Everybody right now is talking about the return of the S&P 500 this year. But let's remind ourselves that last year in 2022, we lost 20%. We're up 21% this year. But if you have a two-year return, two years just went by, and we're still negative 8.94% in the last two years. So if you can plan for your financial future and avoid losses, you'd be much further ahead than somebody that didn't plan to not lose money. And by the way, there are financial strategies out there that you can find ways to not lose money. Number two is healthcare. We're driving by one of the high rises there in New York. The big high rise. It said senior living, senior living center. So if you're retired, you know, I grew up in, an, uh, in a Filipino community where uh, uh, Abuela or Lola 
would stay with you. She'd go from house to house and she'd stay with us. But the reality is that we're going to find places for ourselves and our grandparents to live. And if grandma, grandpa uh, needs medical care and we're all raising our own family and we have our own job, we've got our own business. We might be able to take care of grandma and grandpa the same way, way we would if we were at home. And that's why those senior living centers are so important today. And just to stay in those senior living centers, right there in New York, I saw right there in Manhattan, $11,000 a month. People often think that when I'm retired, I'm going to be living on less money than when I was working. That is a big negative. You're going to be actually needing more money when you're retired than when you were living because you got to forecast it too, Rich. 30 years from now, 40 years from now, you're going to be retired. Imagine running out of money when you're 80. Imagine running out of money when you're 90 yeah. because things just cost more money. And the, and the other two ones is uh, so loss of health care. Third one is taxation. Well, we're very upset where money is going in tax. We're not happy with money in taxes. So why don't you find ways to redirect the money? Rich people find ways to minimize and or eliminate taxes legally and ethically. And that's what we need to do in terms of financial education in the multicultural middle class is how to minimize or eliminate uh, uh, taxation. Well, let's which you talk can find about that insurance. a little bit, Matt. Okay. Uh, let's slow down okay. and unpack that one because I think a lot of people are going to want to know about that. And uh, yeah, you might sure. have some callers that are interested in that as well. Uh, 833-482-5337 is the phone number. We're going to come right back with Matt Sapala to discuss uh, this particular one of the, the five uh, pitfalls of financial freedom uh, from his book. So don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. you several years now. I want the audience to know what a wonderful, decent person you are. Very, very thoughtful. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, uh, amigos, welcome back, familia. We're having a discussion on financial freedom uh, with the author of Gotcha. And Matt Zappala has been uh, telling us about you know, the importance of being present with your family. Uh, but, but in addition to that, we've talked about identifying how much that number is to get to financial freedom, as well as managing your taxes effectively. And I wanted to pause on that one because I know that's one that affects a lot of people. And Rose is in Moorhead City, North Carolina on WTKF. And she has a question for Matt Zappala. Rose, go right ahead. Yes, Mr. Sapala, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'm, I take care of eight people in my family, three of them on Social Security, two of them younger people, SSI. I have to maintain everybody and remind them that when they when we have a budget, they have to stick to it. Well, the only outlier is my sister asked my mother to put the house in her name in 79 as a life trust. She had some sort of medical crisis. She thought she wasn't going to live much longer. I was in the military. Now she wants her name removed so that she can do repairs to her home. My sister's never lived in the house. My sister's never paid taxes on that house. How do I keep my mother in her home? Thank you, Rose. Matt Zappala? Rose, by the way, that's my mother's name. And uh, thank you for her service. I myself served eight years in the Marine Corps, too, as well. So I appreciate what you do, what you continue to do for your family and your community. 
my, my first recommendation is to sit down with somebody that can articulate the tax laws for you. Uh, it's more than we can talk to right now on this radio show, but the first thing you want to talk to is either accountant, an enrolled agent, a CPA, they can teach you the nuances. Here, here's, here's our uh, website that if I can refer you to, it's called AARP, because AARP are articles where you can see how many different tax breaks might potentially be available for family caregivers like yourself. Uh, I know there's, ch- there's caregiver credits that's available to you. There's steps to you claiming your elderly parents as dependents, but there, then again, there's some income limitations that your mom has to uh, be under. But in order to qualify for certain t- uh, credits, uh, your sister will have to be a resident of the home. She's trying to claim that home. If she's not been, then she can't claim that that's a resident of the home. There's no documentation. Her address, bills, utility bills, credit cards, et cetera, will show residential uh, 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 residency in that home in order to qualify for those things that she's trying to attempt to do. But I can't give you that legal information or tax information for, for, for just limited information I have right now. But uh, you find yourself somebody that can uh, navigate these things locally to you. Uh, you're not an uh, outlier in terms of this situation. This situation is happening more and more to families across America. But again, family caregiver credit, uh, home caregiver credits are available to you. And again, I, I refer you to the website AARP. Well, thank you, Matt, for that. And Rose, thank you for your question. And uh, Matt, we have uh, some time to unpack this. And uh, the, the book seems fantastic. Let everybody know again where they can get a copy of the book. Sure, you can find a copy of my book on Amazon. Just look for the word gotcha and put gotcha book. Because sometimes people put my last name there. And for some reason, Amazon likes to correct my last name to spatula versus Apollo. But it's a best-selling book in three different categories. Again, put in Amazon search bar, gotcha book, Matt. And you'll be able to find my book. Okay. Now, I also wanted to, uh, to let everybody know you've got a phenomenal YouTube channel. And uh, you cover a lot of really great topics. Um, and I wanted you to just uh, give us a little bit of how you got into the, the whole, uh, um, did you wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to make a video? Did, did you make a video and somebody say, hey, make another video? How did that whole thing unfold for you? It's just going through my own personal pain. I realized my own personal mistakes with personal finance. I was a single father. Uh, and b- before I was a single father, I married improperly. I chose wrong. I got divorced. I filed bankruptcy. This is 1996. Mm. I stumbled into the financial services world. Thank God a retired master sergeant stuck his foot in the door for me. And once I figured out what I was lacking, what I was missing, I was never a good student. I was a 2.2 GPA in high school. Uh, I don't have a college degree, even though my GI Bill could have paid for everything. But I needed to make money now. That's why I took a position in insurance sales for 14 years as an independent agent. And since then, I just recorded the top problems that seems to be consistent in America. In 1999, I got involved in the insurance industry, in financial services industry. Those problems not only have not gone away in terms of Social Security, personal finance, retirement, getting out of debt, insurance, Roth IRAs, et cetera, et cetera, 401ks. Those problems not only have gotten better over time, sadly, they've gotten worse and every time I pick up a, a video camera, I think about the problems and the solutions that are able to be provided to fix those problems. That's what inspires the YouTube videos. Folks, uh, Matt Zappala, in addition to the great book he's written, he's the host of Seven Figure Squad. It's a YouTube channel where he's got interviews and how-to tips. And uh, let everybody know a little bit about um, what, what they can expect when they tune into your YouTube channel. My approach to anything in life, I, I decided to say, you know what, God, I tried it my way for 20 years. Let me try your way. But it's really from an approach of the lens of a person that's a believer. I believe in the Bible. 
I have a faith, and I'm not trying to shove any religion down anybody's throat, but I open up the book of the Bible, open up the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, because written by the richest and wisest king who ever lived. And those are what I call that rich, the original mean tweets, because they really showed you financial <laughs> discipline, wealth, prosperity. And I know you went to, uh, I think you're, uh, you're a Pentecostal too, aren't you? Yes, sir. And uh, Yeah, so my I pastor in Chicago. Pentecostal church. Amen, amen to that. I grew up the same way too in Chicago when I got out of the military. Pastor Wilfredo de Jesus is known as the, the mayor of Humble Park, Chicago. And uh, I was started understanding the Bible from a, not necessarily from a faith-based perspective, although that was the basis of it, but what really resonated with me in the church was picking up books and Proverbs about how the good Lord and God sees money and how it could be a tool for us to do a lot of great things. Wow. Well, very inspiring. Really, really is. And uh, I, I see a bunch of clips here. Um, what, which one of these is your favorite? If somebody's going to check out your YouTube channel, what do you uh, recommend? Where should they start? Well, I started uh, talking about faith and finance, and the one that really went viral was how the Bible helped me become a millionaire. And, uh, and millionaire is not what the Bible is trying to preach, but the basis of it was uh, once I understood how money worked for me and how God wanted me to use money, not only did it unlock a lot of doors that I didn't have the courage to open up myself, it also closed a lot of doors that I didn't have the courage to close by myself. And so once I realized that money has a purpose, my, my, my life has a purpose, my career, my family has a purpose, uh, that's my favorite video, in addition to many other conversations I have with other people. And interesting thing about this too, Rich, even though people yeah. don't follow the Bible, as long I found people in Wall Street, I found people in Main Street, they're following biblical principles, regardless of what religion you were. Right. They're following these biblical principles, and their life was being blessed. And so I said, what is the common denominator how, about, about how this all works? It wasn't necessarily a religion, but these godly values and principles about money and wealth and prosperity and living, loving your neighbor and being kind and forgiving and having grace and mercy, all those different things just start all compounding for me. And that's really the culmination here there of my, of my YouTube channel, how money can be used as a tool to live well, to prosper and to bless others. Outstanding. Well, um, Matt Sapala, uh, I want to thank you for being with us. And, um, you know, it's funny when I was in my twenties, I had a colleague at, uh, I worked at a mortgage bank for less than a year. And, uh, this guy was uh, probably my age now. He was probably mid forties. And I remember he was, um, he was always telling me, he was like, listen, now that you're young, you should get yourself a couple of, um, you know, rental properties. He said, I did it when I was in my twenties. I got one, then I got another. And he said, let me tell you, I'm doing really well with those now. And, and I said, oh, that's pretty cool. And he said, another thing you should do, he said, you should donate 10% of whatever you make. And he said, do whatever you want to do. Give it to the church, give it wherever. And I was like, did you learn that in church? And he's like, no, I don't even, I mean, I'm an atheist. Wow. <laughs> and I just wow. thought to myself, it's exactly what you were saying, how there are people practicing these uh, biblical principles like tithing and whatnot, and uh, not even aware of it. Yeah, exactly. And what a blessing that is. And that is really an expression of faith. When you give it's saying, listen, I trust, and when that it, this guy might say, I trust me and my methods of making money, I'll make it back. But uh, mm -hmm. this is for me, when I gave money, especially during this time of the year and throughout not only the money, but also time and resources, but I see my expression of faith getting closer to, to, to my God because that's basically saying, I trust you more. I don't trust me more, I trust you more. Amen to that. Matt Zapala, yes, thanks for being with us. He's the author of Your Money, Smart GPS, Navigating the Five Pitfalls of Financial Freedom. Check out his book, his website, moneysmartguy.com, and definitely check out the YouTube channel. Matt, thank you, brother. Have a great holiday. Godspeed. Godspeed as well, too, brother. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Folks, we're coming right back. Open Phone America with me, Rich Valdez. Don't go anywhere.
live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the Friday night edition of the program. I'm here with you till 1 a.m. Eastern time, and uh, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas around here. And if you want to join the show tonight, um, feel free, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. Of course, this is the third and final hour of the program where we call it Open Phone America. We take calls from uh, listeners all over the country that call in to uh, share their two cents on the stuff that we're talking about. And we've talked about a bunch of things tonight. We've uh, discussed um, financial freedom with uh, Matt Zappala. That was a really interesting conversation, his approach to becoming a millionaire and managing wealth. Uh, we talked about predators, child predators that are out there, you know, meeting with kids on Roblox and, and uh, online, Facebook and other types of um, platforms where they think they're connecting with a little girl that's 11 or 12 years old. And uh, turns out these 50 year old men are really um, meeting with a decoy and they get caught out there and sometimes they get arrested. And that was a fascinating conversation that, you know, nothing new. It just amazes me that it's still going on and uh, it's not as isolated as we think. And of course we talked about the economy with Steve Moore and that was a, a pretty robust conversation in that, there's a lot to discuss when it comes to the economy. While jobs continue to um, to remain stable, um, the wage growth is not. And that's a problem, causing people to find more and more work because they can't earn more in their current jobs. And the cost of, of living is obviously uh, going up while wages have not kept up with the rate of inflation. So that was also a, a really eye-opening conversation that ultimately led uh, to me hating most politicians, right? Because of the way they are, they spend like drunken sailors. And uh, no offense to the drunken sailors. So uh, we're going to get to your calls momentarily. I see that there are uh, a few people on hold. I just wanted to kind of give you a rundown of some of the things we're talking about. Sandra Day O'Connor, uh, Supreme Court Justice, first female Supreme Court Justice, uh, dead at 93 today. Uh, may she rest in peace. And George Santos, the congressman from New York, is now the sixth member of Congress ever to be expelled from the House of Representatives. And he wasn't even found guilty of anything yet. Um, I guess for his sake, I, I guess it's weird to say, right? I, I, I hope they do find him guilty. So at least it wasn't for nothing. Um, and if they don't find him guilty, then, you know, maybe he can have a shot at running again. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I just think it's so crazy that they would be so quick to do this. But that's where they are. That's what the politicians opted to do, and uh, Republicans were all on board with it. So uh, that's what we've got there. Then there is a um, there's a funny story coming out of Kenya. Funny in so much as funny like, hmm, not, not funny, haha. This uh, woman, 70 years old, she gave birth to twins. Now, I didn't know that that was um, happening at 70, um, but scary to think, you know, imagine I'm 70, 
right? And I'm with my uh, my wife, and uh, I don't have a wife, but let's presume I have one by 70. And I say, oh, my gosh, you know, hey, how's it going? Oh, my gosh, I'm pregnant with twins. Just imagine the shock of uh, being 70 and having children. Uh, I've got a brother in his 60s, and he's got little kids, but his little kids are like seven, eight years old now. Um, they're not, they're, he's not 70 and he's not having twins right now. He did have twins, but he wasn't, he was 55 or something when they were born. So, um, 70 quite a stretch, quite a stretch. Anyway, we're going to get to your calls and more straight ahead. Again, the phone number 833-482-5337. And, uh, let's go to, um, Gil. Gil is one of our faves, a longtime caller of the program. He used to call when it was Larry King. Then he called throughout the Bohannon years. And he is stuck with us, uh, with me here on the program. Gil, welcome, sir. Oh, thanks for taking my call, <clears throat> Ricardo. You bet, Gil. Uh, a couple, of, a, a couple of things. Uh, when I was um, in the army, uh, I was part of the National Security Agency, as was right. your predecessor, Jim Bohannon. And I worked at the school that was in Massachusetts. Uh, few miles from Boston, and my boss graduated from Harvard College in 1950 with Henry Kissinger. They were acquaintances. I don't think they were close friends, but they were acquaintances in the same class. And he often commented about Kissinger's zeal to perform and just do outstanding, outstanding things all through his uh, baccalaureate career. And of course, he went on to Harvard University to get a master's and then his doctorate and uh, became uh, Richard Nixon's national security advisor and secretary of state and stayed on with uh, President Ford. But yeah. he was uh, he, he was quite a guy. And um, if uh, I, I actually have a Henry Kissinger joke. Um, Go ahead. Let's hear it. But it's 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 kind of in Spanish. My oh. Mexican <laughs> friends like to, like to tell it. When Henry you're have Kissinger to translate got it so everybody can get it for, for the second time. Oh, you'll get it. Got married for the second time. Uh, he and his new wife Nancy took their honeymoon at a small resort near Acapulco. This is all true, and uh, the word was put out not to disturb them unless it was a national crisis. Well, lo and behold, there comes a national crisis. So they get a hold of the people in the Mexican government who had the uh, contact information, and this uh, Mexican gentleman who doesn't speak English very well uh, gets uh, Dr. Henry on the phone and says, Sir, are, are you Kissinger? Are you Kissinger? <laughs> and he responds, uh, no, I'm screwing her. I'm screwing her. So, <laughs> Security. Um, <laughs> oh, that's funny. But that's, I think that might be anyhow. the first joke that you've told me, Gil, that I've laughed at, and I've gotten the punchline. And that's well, no fault of your own. Uh, that's my ADHD that I, yeah. I just, I, I check out after about three or four that's, seconds because it's hard for me. That was terrific. Um, How's your stand-up my- career going? Uh, well, I, I'm supposed to be fitted for a hearing aid in a, about a week uh, through the Veterans Administration, and hopefully I'll get some of my hearing back. It's uh, 
is pretty well shot. When I was in the hospital, they gave me some concoction of antibiotics, and antibiotics will take you here. You, you probably know uh, Rush Limbaugh lost his hearing due to a, an addiction for Oxycontin, and he had uh, yeah. to be... Well, I thought it was headphones. I knew he he was um, hooked on, on pills, but I, I thought that uh, it was headphones that did that. Yeah, he had to be fitted for uh, a, a cochlear uh, a implant. Special, uh, yeah, an implant. And uh, they've become very, very common now, and that option is available to me if, if they think it'll help. So hopefully things will be better. And... Uh, uh, and is I that when you'll move on to your career in comedy? <laughs> well, I, I don't know about a career in comedy, but uh, I, I get a, I get a few good zingers. I, I had some of my, uh, my jokes that, um, that Jim really liked, uh, but um, uh, sometime I'll, I'll tell you the, uh, the American Legion joke that he thought was pretty good. But anyhow, we, well, you thank know, we you, were, brother. Uh, great to hear from you, Gil. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I'm glad to hear that you're good spirits and you seem uh, you sound healthier. And um, if I don't talk to you again, have a great Christmas. But hopefully you'll call in a few more times before then. Yeah, well, I'm very lucky. I have a wonderful family here who during this crisis took very, very good care of me. My wife's a nurse. And um, she stayed with me in the hospital the whole time that I was there, almost a month, making sure that the other nurses did their job. So. <laughs> oh, man, you're great, Gil. Thank you for the call, brother. Folks, we're coming right back to the rest of your calls and more. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. With Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. We continue our uh, third and final hour of the program straight till 1 a.m. Eastern time. And earlier I mentioned... Um, uh, by the way, that's Open Phone America, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And I just wanted to talk about this because I'm really taken by it. Um, 70-year-old woman in Uganda has given birth to two twins after receiving fertility treatments that made her one of the world's oldest new moms. Safina Namakwaya delivered a boy and a girl on Wednesday via C-section at a hospital in the capital of Kampala, where she'd been receiving in vitro fertilization treatment. Um, that's according to um, a spokesman for the hospital there. 
saying she's healthy, she's talking, she's walking around. If they tell her to walk around the hospital, she does. Uh, she gave birth to a daughter at the same facility back in 2020 when she was in her late 60s following IVF treatment as well. Uh, was uh, Nemequia, excuse me, uh, used a donor egg and her partner's sperm to conceive the twins, and voila, they have babies. The twins were born prematurely at 31 weeks of gestation and placed into incubators, but are said to be in good health. So there you have it. This woman, 70 years old. She doesn't look a day over 40, honestly. And uh, just a remarkable story. It really, really is. Anyway, I want to get to your calls. And if you got a story like this, I'm happy to talk about it because I think those are uh, pretty interesting things. Let's see. Where do we go? We've got uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Chicago, Illinois, Greenwood, South Carolina, Saratoga, New York. Um, let's go with Chuck. He's in Greenwood, South Carolina. He's been on hold the longest. Let's go to WCRS. Chuck, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to comment on the speaker you had a little while ago uh, with the issue with the pedophiles. And I yeah. think the work they're doing is great. But I would also like to say that if people were raising their children properly, and monitoring their activities, both online and off, and weren't letting them run the streets at will. The pedophiles couldn't get to them if their parents were raising them. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I normally I'd agree with something like that, but we did a story here about a week ago out of Wayne, New Jersey. And uh, this little girl, I think she was 11 years old or 12, she was playing at home in her house, uh, playing um, uh, that game uh, Roadblock, Roblox. R-O-B-L-O-X. And um, those things connect to the Internet uh, right from her house. And somebody who said that they were also a little kid uh, convinced her to go outside. And as soon as she went outside, she was abducted. And uh, I don't know if she went out to her yard or front yard or side yard or uh, I don't know all the details. I know she disappeared and they were eventually able to catch the guy who kidnapped her. And the guy was, you know, a grown man who was being a predator, you know, looking for these kids. And thank God the police were able to catch up to him and get her back to her family. But it makes me think this girl was at home. And, you know, I, I, I would tend to think, you know, I have two daughters. They're older now, 18 and 22. But when they were little, I would have, uh, I've let them play around with their back then as the Nintendo DS. And um, if I, my thinking is if in your home, in your room, and I'm in my living room, and, you know, let's say you go to the yard with the dog or something, um, I try to keep an eye on them, but I, I think that's a perfectly um, normal scenario where these predators are even getting them, you know, right when they're at home. And uh, that is a very prevalent problem. But I, I agree with you. There are too many people that are very lax in how they take care of their kids and they let their kids do anything online. But I think it's also at a point where it's out of control. Uh, it's very difficult for kids that are 10, 11, 12 years old who um, see a picture of another kid that's 10 or 11 or 12 years old and to think that this is actually a grown man that wants to harm me. And as much as you could tell them, don't trust them. If you don't know them, don't, you know, don't talk to them. Um, stranger danger has been a thing forever. And I think these predators have been around equally as long. But thank you, Chuck. I appreciate the call. And, and you're right. It's a problem. We've got to be more vigilant than ever because those predators are more vigilant than ever. Uh, let us uh, continue. Let, where do we go from here? Let's go to Diane, Chicago, Illinois, WGN. Go right ahead. Hi, Rich. Um, 
I just wanted to preface mine by saying that all of that, whatever you were talking about with the pedophiles, I'm not able to follow that because I'm calling at 11 p.m. and you don't, I don't hear you until right, 1 a.m. Right, we're on delay so, in your market. Right, right. Sure. So it would be the equivalent of 3 a.m. for me, this where I'm on now. But, um, yeah, I wanted to say also um, condolences about your brother. That was a recent death, right, with your Marine oh, brother? Oh, yes, yeah, just a few weeks ago. Yeah, Thank well, that's, you. that's, yeah, that's um, surprising to hear, you know, and you're carrying on okay with, without him. I mean, you, well, you don't live together, I don't, you know, but I'm just saying. No, yeah, no, he, he lived together, in Long I'm Island. Saying, yeah. And, um, and he, he was, he, he lived a fantastic life, a fantastic life. He really, really did well. He, he did really well in, uh, in a business that he owned, got out of that business and, uh, then happened to, um, hit the lotto for millions of dollars. <laughs> and he really just, he, and he was already very successful. So he, he really enjoyed, he was retired from his forties and, um, he's probably spent the last 20 years just really enjoying life. So it was one of those things where it's like, you know what, I'm glad he did what he did, um, you know, living life as as vigorously as he did. Um, I guess, you know, he maybe some part of him knew, you know, he was here for a good time, not a long time. But uh, he definitely in, enjoyed himself. And uh, I'm, I'm happy about that. He was in the Marines? Yeah, he was in the Marine Corps. That was before, though. Oh, and he won the, oh, okay. Well, that's an interesting story. And, again, my condolences. And then I wanted Thank to you. just say... Um, about Jesse Smollett. I live in Chicago, and I was heartened to hear on the news that the appeals panel has, you know, uh, affirmed the lower co- the court his sentencing for 150 oh, yeah. days in jail. Of course, the lawyers are going to be he's going to like whip him into shape with with whatever money he has, and you know, people don't all have that kind of money, and I guess he probably has some kind of money to for the lawyers, but they're going to be scrambling now trying to do. And they're not going to get anywhere, is what I say. And if I do say so myself, I predicted. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I like, you know, the law. I mean, interested in in in, in reading those cases and things. But he, they ruled correctly. Well, it was two to one, but the they ruled that he has to, you know, um, the 150 days sentencing stands because even though I don't have TV, I try to keep up with the news and I go and watch YouTube and whatever, whatever on the library computers. So I'm, you know, I have Yahoo and all of that and Gmail and, and Twitter to our ex. Right. Anyway. Well, I think we're all keeping our eyes peeled to, to see what goes on there. And hopefully uh, uh, justice will be done and Smollett will, you know, pay the price for what he's done. Thank you, Diane. Big shout out to Diane calling in a little bit early on uh, WGN out of Chicago. And we continue with the rest of your calls and more this Friday evening. I'm with you for another half hour. Give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Coming right back.
Well, I'll tell you what, it's deja vu all over again with that flurry of lies. This is a guy that says the Biden administration is not lying to the public about the border. They go to the White House uh, briefing room every day. They say the border is secure. They are lying to you. We know that that's not true. Gavin Newsom is lying to you when he says somehow I supported these things, which I didn't do. He's also <laughs> lying to you uh, about what it's going to take to solve this problem. California is a sanctuary state. Uh, they thumb their nose at federal immigration law. And this has real consequences. Governor Ron DeSantis from Florida, he's in a debate with uh, Governor Gavin Newsom of California yesterday, and he's 100 percent right. You know, this is where it gets very tricky because states have rights to defend themselves against an invasion, and they try to on occasion, but oftentimes it gets overturned when it gets to court because ultimately the jurisdiction of uh, immigration falls on federal authorities. And it's uh, it's a tough one. It really is a tough one here. So Texas has done a lot, right? They're they're, they're under attack. There's a, a an onslaught of people coming across the the border from from Mexico into Texas, and they're trying to defend their state, but they're limited by law. And they've put buoys out, and that's gone both ways and the other way. They've put razor wire, and that's you know back and forth in court. And as of today, uh, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit rejected Governor Abbott's request to reverse a lower court's finding that the floating barriers were illegal. So these buoys that are out there to try to create this floating barrier to prevent people from crossing the Rio Grande into Texas are now uh, deemed uh, illegal. And Texas has to remove these buoys that are on the Rio Grande River. And uh, that sucks for them, right? It was a two-to-one decision in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 5th District. They upheld the lower court's finding that these uh, were illegal. And I guess uh, hopefully uh, Ken Paxton and and the state of Texas will be able to um, maybe get this um, one more shot to bring it to the Supreme Court and see if they could do anything. I just I don't see it happening, Uh, but maybe they can. You know, maybe they'll make the case that this is, in fact, them exercising their um, their duty um, as as officers uh, of that state to defend the state under an invasion, especially when their federal government is being uh, non-responsive to said invasion. Now, again, it makes sense when you and I talk about it on the radio, but they've got to be able to make this case in court. And I don't know if it's going to happen, but uh, it's just uh, it, it stinks to see it happening, right? Just to see that the legal system is telling Texas you can't keep people out of your state. Texas is saying, look, we can't have all these people here. It's even a pass-through, right? They're not even all staying here. They jump on these these buses and trucks and, and, and whatnot that, that are being provided by non-governmental uh, organizations, NGOs, these nonprofit groups, and um, then they just push these people right into the rest of the interior of the country, different states, different cities, and uh, voila, that's how this operation's running. In the dead of night, sometimes DHS is putting them on planes that they're commandeering and, you know, just filling up. It's just it really is quite remarkable to see what's happening. We're all seeing it. Those of us that see it and and it's never happened before. And I'm hopeful that it'll stop at some point. But it's just remarkable that it's happening and nobody seems to bat an eye. It really is a scary time. Anyway, let us uh, continue with your calls. Let us go to Phil calling from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on KDKA. Go right ahead, Bill. Phil. 
How are you doing, Rich? I'm doing great. Thank you, sir. Um, I just wanted to make a comment about finances. Um, yeah. I think that, um, like, what I think what the universities do as far as like lying to people and charging way too much for tuition, and then like the the young people they get in this huge debt that they can never get out of is totally wrong. Oh, tell me more. Um, Where do you I think mean, the fault lies like, with the buyer beware, like the customer getting into a debt? Of, I mean, you know, multi thousands of dollars that they can't afford, or is uh, is your contention that it's the the evil bank being a predator? Yeah, I mean, to me, it just seems like a form of predatory lending. Like, you know, I I see it all the time. Like people that graduate from the universities and they can they can't get a job above like these hourly positions, and I just think it's crazy. I, I, me too. But I think I would think they knew that going in, you know, I've told my children, uh, there's no way we're making this stuff back. This is not an investment. This is, this is, um, us putting a bunch of money into your education so that you can be smart. Uh, but it's definitely not some sort of career prep that you're going to, you know, spend $48,000 or, you know, for this year and next year or whatever it is. Um, and think that, you know, you're going to just automatically make all this money back. Uh, that used to be the case with um, higher education, post-secondary education. I just think now that's not the case. And now it's kind of like, oh, you want an education? All right. If you insist upon having a formal one, then you're going to forego buying a house and uh, you're going to have an education. And that's the, the choice that you make if you want to make it. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I've worked in that industry, so I've seen this coming. And a lot of, um, I guess, the smart guys, whether they're economists or actuaries, they, they all mark the, what, something they call the point of diminishing returns. And I feel like we're there uh, with education, uh, higher education. We've reached that point of diminishing recur- returns on many career fields. Right? If you go to school for psychology or something like that, um, I don't know that you're, you're going to make uh, your money back. I just don't think so. Um, maybe in other fields you might like nursing or something like that, you might be able to, you know, maybe make $150,000, $170,000 a year and grow from there. Uh, but I don't think that that's even the norm um, lately because it's it's so difficult for Americans to pass the nursing exam, which is why we import them from other countries. And we've been doing this for decades and we're only doing it more. So um, I, 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 I agree that there are times where banks can go overboard and certain schools might be in cahoots with banks. Um, that could be a possibility, but ultimately I think life is all about buyer beware, uh, for the most part. And you have to really just, um, you, you got to look before you leap and make sure that, you know, when you go to this school that somehow you're not going to end up, you know, it's like saying now uh, you go to a timeshare presentation and they give you some drinks and they give you a free room and they say whatever. And you you know, this thing's going to cost you $175,000 and you get to spend two weeks a year here and whatever their sales pitch is, and you go, yeah, these people are trying to hook you to buying into this thing, and it's your job to kind of be like, uh, well, can I afford it? Yes or no. And if, if you can't, then you get into it anyway. Well, that's, that's, I think, on you. I mean, some people, I guess, will make the case that it's on them for, but ultimately, if they're not putting their hand in your pocket and, you know, drugging you and forging your signature, I think uh, it's definitely um, a, a situation of buyer beware, Phil. Mm-hmm. But, but would you say, though, that um, 18-year-olds are mature enough to make that decision about, like, be, being into uh, a debt that they don't understand? 
Well, here's a, an interesting, uh, that's a good question. And, and I think the question there is, um, I have to say yes, that they're allowed to make that decision only because they're allowed to decide if they're going to go and defend this country in the military. They're allowed to decide if uh, a lot of things when they're 18 years old, right? If they can uh, pull a lever for a, a particular candidate in an election. Now, do I agree with the age of majority? Probably not. You know, I have an 18 year old now and um, she's terrific, but learning a lot in life. I have a 22 year old who constantly tells me I'm learning a lot in life. So um, I think, you know, the, the last numbers I saw somebody saying 23 is probably the earliest that people should uh, start making big decisions because of their formation of their, um, I think it was the prefrontal cortex of their brain that actually starts to mature around that age. And uh, somebody else was telling me that, you know, for, for, and I think it was a joke, it was a dig at me, but they were saying it takes into your 40s for some men. <laughs> and um, I thought it was funny. Uh, but my point is, I do agree. It takes a lot of guys a long time to mature. You know, you got to see me when I'm not uh, on the radio. I'm a big kid. So ultimately, I, I, I agree that if you're 18 and you're a legal adult, you know, if you can go to jail for getting into a fight or killing somebody and get tried as an adult, uh, it's, it's got to be on you. Uh, do I think 18 is the right number? No, I don't. I think it should be a lot older. And I also think that we should really invest more and better in preparing our kids and parents uh, for what what lies ahead as a parent. And I know we have to take a break now, but um, this is something I was talking about with somebody the other day where if you don't teach your kids something about anything, somebody else is going to teach them. And it could be um, a prison. It could be um, a psychiatrist, a, a psychologist, a psychotherapist, a, a classroom teacher, a university professor. It could be all sorts of different places, uh, a, a gang on the street. But your kid is definitely going to learn at some point if they're fortunate enough to learn. Some people will end up going through life not knowing anything at all. And that, I don't know if that ignorance is bliss or if that ignorance is detrimental. But uh, maybe we'll talk about that more on the other side of the break. Phil, thank you for the question. I think it was excellent. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. You know, I love being able to do some old school talk radio. This is some old school talk radio where we throw out whatever topic and we still talk to people. We're still live. We're still national. And I love that. I really do. I don't know if you do, but I know I do. And uh, it really is a, a blessing to me to be able to do this program and, and speak with people on just a number of things. Uh, because, you know, you, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And sometimes you talk to somebody and um, they give you a whole different perspective on things. And it really just opens your 
It broadens your horizons. And uh, let's go to David, Wichita, Kansas, KQAM. David, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Oh, great. Hear your voice, Rich. You make my day when I get to listen to you. Oh, thank you, sir. I just wanted to share an opinion with you and see how far I might be off the mark. Uh, I've listened to, I think you had a gentleman on today that was a financial person. And and then I hear... Yeah, okay. And it gave some a little bit of advice about maybe buying gold, what have you. And I hear all yeah. these commercials on TV about buying silver, gold. Okay, that's all fine. Myself, I have plenty of silver. It was more like an investment maybe 10 years ago. And if I cashed out today, I'd make a pretty penny. Okay, fine. Yeah. But when they all preach about you're buying it for when – the bottom falls out in this nation and you're going to need it. Well, I think the last time, and you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, anybody used any silver or gold to go buy something was like, uh, around the civil war time. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, if we had, if things were that bad in this nation that we had to resort to silver and gold, well, that only means all communications is knocked out. There must have been an EMP that took place. Mm-hmm. Can't buy nothing online. You can't go running down a quick trip to buy fuel. You can't go to Walmart, buy groceries, because they're going to look at you like, oh, you got a pile of silver there. Well, what do you want? You know, uh, yeah. none of these places are set up for it. And so... Is it wrong to say, what's the point of buying this stuff if you're trying to save it for a bad day? Well, here's the thing, David. I don't think it's wrong to buy it. I think it's a very smart idea to have precious metals as part of your portfolio, just because precious metals really don't lose, right? It's like real estate. Um, I've yet to meet somebody, uh, and I'm sure, oh, my uncle, my aunt. Okay, good for them. Um, Sorry to hear it. But uh, everybody I know that's bought a piece of property at 30,000 and now it's worth a hundred or bought it at a hundred. Now it's worth 400. Um, they're all making money and, uh, may they not be selling right now. They might be passing it on to their children, you know, creating and passing on generational wealth. So I think, uh, the precious metals is, uh, is a great hedge against a lot of things. Um, because we, I mean, I remember gold being, I don't know, six seventy uh, an ounce a long time ago. Uh, maybe like, 20 years ago. And you know, it's, it's a lot more now. I forget what the current price is. Maybe somebody in the just over two grand. Look at that. So just imagine if you're buying it 700 an ounce, right? And this is what the first time somebody told me, they're like, Oh, you got to get some gold. You got to get some gold. And they said, trust me, this is going to go up. And then that's the numbers they use. They said, this is going to triple. Um, here we are in 2023. It was legit 2003. Uh, when they when they told me that, and I looked at it, and I was like, "Oh wow, it was like six seventy, six ninety, something like that." And here we are today at two thousand dollars an ounce. Uh, fantastic, fantastic. So it's a great investment. And now to your point about the hype over the Mad Max scenario, where everything goes to hell in a handbasket, I've never been a fan of this. But uh, there's a lot of people that love it. They love to feel this this sense of fear. It's almost like a roller coaster. 
you know, people that like to go on roller coasters and feel that 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 thrill rush. There are people that want to tune into a radio program like this one and hear me saying, folks, you got to get your gold. You know, this is it. This is going to be at the dark days of winter. It's coming to an end. Get ready. Make sure you have ammo. Make sure you have water. Make sure you have supplies. You need all those things. You should always be ready. But it doesn't mean it's happening today or that I need to live my life in that fear. That I reject. Be ready, but be happy. Thanks for the call, David. Coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And we're wrapping up this week with the speed round. Let us go to Linda, Albany, New York, WGDJ. Very quickly, go right ahead. Hi, uh, thanks, Rich, for taking my call. And thank you for the information tonight. Um, it reminded me when you were talking about uh, the woman 70 in the Bible. I don't remember exactly where it is, but there was a woman named Sarah. She finally got her wish from God. And you know what? You're right. And that's exactly what I was thinking. She, you know, she was the, the, the wife to Abraham, the father of many. And uh, I was thinking the same thing. She was up there in, in age and uh, lacked a lot of faith. And uh, what, it was like a real life uh, personification, if you will of of that uh, piece of scripture. Thank you, Linda. Big shout out to you guys. Let's go to Steve, Cleveland, Ohio, W-E-O-L. Go right ahead. Easy listening, Rich. Hey, real quick, uh, MK, yes, uh, whatever, that 370, the old plane, the jet got lost back in 2014. People do some checking on that uh, real quick. I was throwing that out there, but Trump mm-hmm. with his uh, you, you, um, J-6, your, uh, we can sue you and your gag order's back on. Um, and with, uh, uh, what's his name, getting kicked out of whatchamacallit, uh, there's going to oh, be a George lot Santos. of stuff coming down. Yeah, there's going to yeah, be a lot not, of stuff coming down. Don't I agree with you, and I think that the Trump gag order stuff is some of the craziest stuff ever. It's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. They should leave this poor man alone and let him just talk whatever he's, you know, say what he's got to say. Steve, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Jane, Saratoga, New York, 45 seconds. Go right ahead. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let me tell you what we did when my daughter was coming up. Um, not to spend a lot of money. The they would sit in a circle. They would tell each other what they cared about each other. They would get construction paper and make beautiful, beautiful cards. And they would take these cards to nursing homes and take a pretty card to someone in a nursing home. They would bake cookies, and they would go caroling on Christmas Eve. And the kids who didn't have much, they would bake cookies for them, and they would invite them to go caroling. It seems like old school tradition, right, Jane? Whether it's making a card. I always told my kids, listen, they're like, what do you want? I go, make me a card. I don't care if you have a job. Anyway, God bless. It's Rich Valdez. We'll do it again on Monday. Hasta la próxima. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of season two of the hit podcast series, In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. 
Binge seasons one and two of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen.